Hey, Tito, great to see you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Looking forward to uh, talking to you all thing outbound. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. Mate, so fill us in. Where did the burning passion for outbound sales come from? It's funny. I think it started when I started the company and I run. And it was because I stumbled upon an opportunity when I was in college where I wanted to, when I took alumni, had a company called ShareFile. And he had an outbound team. Uh, I had this crazy idea that instead of running the outbound team from Raleigh, North Carolina, where he had it, he should, initially I thought he should outsource to India, but he said he didn't want to do that because time zones, all these other things and culture and whatever else. Um, I, I got that idea from reading the 4-Hour Workweek and the World's Flats, two books about business and outsourcing and whatever else. So I came up with a better idea, which was why don't you set up a team in Costa Rica or on the beach in Mexico and you hire SDRs based out of the U.S., you fly him down mm. and you have him outbound from there. And he said, that's a genius idea. I could drop out of college and you go do that. I'll be your first client. And I said, let's start next week. And I drop out of college and I uh, took more than a week, but a couple of months later, I definitely dropped out of college and I started my career there. And I think that was the, one of the best outbound teams I've ever seen executing sales. They were mm. cold outbound. Nobody knew their name. They were calling SMBs, which is very interesting because uh, those people are also not well informed about the marketing technology. They're calling accountants about technology. What do accountants know about tech? They don't know anything. Their meeting, their initial meeting, cold outbound first introductory call to close to one ratio was 28%. More than one out of every four, hello, I'm Tito, nice to meet you, closed 1%. It was insane. And I just grew a passion for reverse engineering that. Funny enough, my, my major in college was behavioral economics. And when I was at, at Duke, I was a tour guide. And I can relate a lot of my sales experience to being a tour guide at Duke because it's still the same idea, right? I show up to the admissions office and I get a hundred cold leads that say, yeah, eventually you're going to apply to college. You guys are an option. And I'm like, why Duke over Stanford mm. or Harvard or why not North Carolina, UNC? I'd be like, I don't know. Convince me. And I had to sell. I had to get to the moment where in the student or the parent's mind, the switch flicked. And they said, this is what I need in my life. I want to be here. So I, I didn't see it at that moment. But like Steve Jobs says, when you look back, you connect the dots. And you're like, shit. My whole life I've been in sales. I grew a passion for it when I was 19 yeah. years old and I was a tour guide. And, uh, and here I am now, sometimes selling multi-million dollar deals. But it's a little fun. Good point, because you're selling to the parent and the kid at the same time, right? Both with different outcomes and different things they're thinking about. And you got to get them both right at the same time while you're pitching. And it's funny because the things that you think sell the school or what the tour guide program teaches you to sell versus what actually sells the students on and it's completely different. But I know that because I hear before I was a tour guide, I was touring 13 universities in a period of two weeks all around the U.S. And my favorite university was Caltech before I started the tours. By the end of my tours, my least right. favorite university was Caltech. I took a one hour tour with a tour guide there. And I was like, I would kill myself here. I, have, I do not want to come here. Oh. Same with Cornell. I did not want to apply to Cornell. It's, it's a great university. So was Caltech. Incredible for some people. Well, they didn't sell it to you? Huh? Say that again. Yeah. No, they just didn't sell it to you well enough. Like you didn't like the experience of being there. What you said you wouldn't want to go back. Sometimes it was the person. I can relate to the tour guide, like how they thought about mm. life or how they, how they represented the student body was very different. Like at Caltech, we had to, it, it was an hour and a half infrastructure bus tour. So it was maybe a 15 minute walk around campus. This girl was wearing heels in a grassy area. Oh. Like she couldn't even mm. walk straight. 
So she had a very high IQ, but very low EQ. Same with Cornell. I, I visited maybe in a, in a bad time of the year or whatever. And the person I talked to was, in my view, right? And again, it's it's about representation. This is sales, right? Because if you had a perfect, mm. if you had perfect information, you always make the perfect decision. But in my experience, when I toured Cornell and when I showed Caltech, you're not going to get perfect information. The information I, I received was suboptimal, and I decided not to apply to either school. Mm. When you're evaluating a bar, how do you so decide mate, where do you want to what do you want to buy? You know? Exactly. So going back to those early days, then sounds like you had the passion, you had the desire, you had loose framework. At what point did you decide, I've got something, I'm going to put it on a canvas, I'm going to put a bit of science and engineering behind this whole thing and build an army of outbound sales guns? I think it's just a personal thing. I like reverse engineering shit and understanding how it works. I like understanding that what is influencing the market and what is influencing everything. I like when I started my career, I, again, let's go back to the college days, right? That's when you're like starting and building it up. I started my career as a biomedical engineer, right? Or my university as a biomedical engineering major. I wanted to create prosthetic arms and legs and I wanted to engineer that. And then I realized that I wasn't good enough at science or engineering to, to succeed. So I changed my mind and I realized that also I didn't want to be the engineer building the prosthetic arm and leg. I wanted to be mm -hmm. the guy on stage showcasing the beautiful arm and leg that we built for the prosthetics company. So I realized that I was more in the communications and I wanted to have a high level understanding, but I didn't want to be into the weeds, right? But as time went by, I mm -hmm. switched my major a few times. I was an economics major at one point. And I, the professor says, at, as demand goes up, price goes up. And as, as demand goes, as price goes down, demand goes up. As price goes up, demand goes down. And I'm like, okay, yeah, obviously. Charge me five times more for a computer. I'm going to buy less of them. Charge me three times more for a restaurant meal. I'm going to buy less of that. Mm. It's obvious. And I said, why are you teaching me that? I get that. I knew that already. Can you teach me something I don't know? Mm. Can you teach me about the example? Where are the examples of in what circumstances does price go up and demand goes up? Can't tell me that's never happened in the world. It must, right? There are, like, if you're Ferrari, and your prices go up. Are you sure demand goes down? Your Rolex yes. and your prices go up. Does demand go, go down? Are you sure? Yeah. By how much? When? Isn't there more than just price and demand? For commodities, sure. For a restaurant meal, sure. But teach me that. That's what I'm freaking paying $70,000 a year for to keep mm. Teach me the. Help me understand what company I need to buy and increase the price and the demand will increase and resell the company. So I can make enough money so I can donate to the Duke Endowment. Aren't we all on the same page? That was my mindset. So I was already obsessed with you like making that, money. You like that breaks in. You like that breaks in. The real understanding of how that mechanical mechanics work sitting behind it all, which is cool. Because I guess for me, outbound was something we came, I came to very late. We were always non-outbound yeah, traditionally in our previous company and we got there late. It was breaking it down because we're like, oh, we're late to this party. We really have to break it down really quickly and understand the why of how this works because we don't have time to do two years of testing because everyone's been doing this for three years so we're behind the, the curves for us we had to go learn from scratch do a really fast build playbooks around that and as we talked to a lot of the smaller companies how do you see playbooks in outbound how do you define a playbook for outbound is it do you have a step one you're using all the time are you customizing it I think a lot of people talk playbooks, but I think a playbook is just a combination of things that you need in order to execute your go-to-market as well as possible, right? So rather than a playbook, because a playbook would tell you that there's a beginning and an end of the playbook, 
I think these are just guidelines. So I like building my outbound guidelines. That includes who are their personas, what are the target accounts, what's the ICP, how do you handle objections on the phone based on what they say when, types of emails that you write, what is your value proposition, but also how's your training program, how often do you do call training versus email training, what are the tests that you need to pass, it ramples into like enablement. But if I had to pick one area where I think the audience here is going to get the most value, I think that the biggest mistake and the biggest area where you could, that makes or breaks your outbound is understanding who is creating demand and when. And here's what I mean by that. There is a moment in a buyer's head where they say, shit, what I'm doing today is not good enough. And if I was just doing this in this other way, my outcomes would be so much better. That is the moment that demand gets created. And now your sales team needs to decide when that is going to happen and who's responsible. So if you're a demand capture company, if you do SEO and keyword searches, you usually want people who have already gone through that. Best sales engagement tools. Cool. When you're looking for best sales engagement tools, you've already decided that you want a sales engagement tool, which means already decided that you have a problem, which mm. is that you're not sending enough emails and enough calls in an organized fashion which means that you've already identified that if you do that, you're going to solve your pipeline problem. So if you deal with the onion, you're going to get to the core problem. When you do outbound, what's going to happen is 95% of your market is not in market. So you're going to be talking to a lot of people that say, sure, Tito, I took a meeting. Imagine I, I sell outreach, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I took a meeting. I, I use sales stuff. Life is great. What are, you, what are you going to ask? What's your biggest team? Let's keep you up at night. No, you get a, you as an outbound team, when you decide to do outbound, you're deciding you're going to acquire a new responsibility. It is the responsibility to help your prospect flip at their head. They need something that they didn't think they need before. And it's not a product. It is a process that they need. It is an experience. And it is a process that is going to make it better. Now, in order to run that process, they need a product. That's how you get to sell the product. You sell the process, not the product. First. What do you get to do is educate them on why life is better in a certain way with this, with this new vision of what the world looks like. Similar to what I sold these students. They could go study at Georgia Tech, they could go study at Harvard, they could come study at Duke. And the, the experience of studying at Duke was better than Harvard, was better than Georgia Tech, and was better than That's why you had to apply here. And that's why Harvard and Stanford and Duke accepted you. Come here. It has nothing to do with the rankings. That's really cool point to think so, right? If you're if you're getting inbound leads, you know there's demand and they want this thing. If you're outbound, you're creating that demand, right? And that's a, that's, that is a, that's, I've never thought of it like that. It blew my mind. Yeah. Happy. <laughs> the question from go, there I on, Tito, I was going to ask because you go, you, you go, man. Sorry, there's a delay. Yeah. yeah cool. I was going to give you good. another example. It was really quick, right? Somebody works at the McDonald's drives customer folks and says, Hey, what do you like to order? They uh, order a burger. They take a credit card. They pass it through. They made a sale. Is that person in sales? Are they? Oh, let's take it a step further, right? Somebody works at a Macy's or a Levi's store where a lucky brand. Somebody comes and they're like, hey, what do you need? They're like, ah, just looking. Three minutes later, somebody says, hey, do you have this one in a size 32? They're like, yeah, of course. Same style, dark wash, light wash, straight leg. 
things are like, yeah, well, that will. And then think right on. Yeah, you look great. Would you like to add a hoodie? Our hoodies are 50% off. They're like, is that person in sales? And should the person in sales earn the same commission that the person on And how about the inbound lead versus the outbound lead? Should an SDR be paid the same for a lead that requested a demo and you schedule it versus a lead that when they pulled out and they scheduled it? The answer to me is never. It only should not be paid out to an SDR and Alba lead should be. And I believe APs should get paid on different commissions. It's an Alba lead. I couldn't agree more, man. We're on the same page. You touched on some really good points there, Tito. One being emotional intelligence. Like sales requires so many different skill set than most actually give credit for, right? And emotional intelligence is right up there, including business acumen. Yet, most companies hire them junior reps and put them on a conveyor belt. But then going back to your point where you're saying you got to get to the core of the problem, a lot of these individuals have never been given the information, the knowledge or the training. What's your blueprint to make sure that information actually gets passed down to these young and up-and-coming sales superstars that most companies don't invest in? And here's what I'll say. It's not about because It's not about the timing that you've been doing. It's about hiring sales professionals which is hiring sales people who are taking the role of sales. So let me tell you, I've been playing soccer for 22 years, but you shouldn't put me to play against Messi. Because Messi is a soccer professional. He practices five days a week to play one game on the weekend. I don't have a six-pack. I'm slightly overweight. I can't run five miles without passing out on the floor. And I cannot dominate the ball like he does. I've been playing for 15 years. Just like so many sellers I know have been selling for 15 years. They are not sales professionals. So the question for me, what is your sales professional back? What certifications do you have? What do you believe? How do you as a sales professional explain inbound versus outbound? And can you demonstrate that you can close at a high rate? It's so it's a little bit easy. You watch this screen. And if you put me on the field with Messi, for three minutes, you know I saw. But with our sellers, we just hire them. And we send them leads for months, and guess what? Well, sometimes you get lucky, because sometimes the lead comes in, like outreach into outreach.io by move companies. You can see, if, you, if I switch jobs and I go to any company, my first request to my boss, to my CEO is, we're buying outreach or I'm not working. And they'd be like, okay. And then guess what I would do? I'd go on the outreach website and I'd be like, how do I sign up and pay? Oh, there's no way to just sign up. Okay, I'll request a demo. This will happen. So BDR will call me to qualify. I'm going to be like, dude, I've been using Arch for nine years now. I can configure this platform better than you. How long have you been on CR? Three weeks. Okay. Pass me to the AE. No, I got to play the Brad Miles game. I'm like, no, yeah, we're very interested. How many licenses? Oh, I don't know. Five. What's your best price? We're comparing you against Salesloft because we're deciding because otherwise they're going to give me full price. So I got to negotiate my way down. I got to play the game. But I already knew that I was going to buy. In the psychological journey, I had already mm -hmm. decided I needed a sales engagement huh? product. I had already evaluated my options. I had already decided right. that I want outreach, but I still going to play the cat and mouse game so I can get my best price. Or I got to reach out to somebody I know at outreach and be like, hopefully they'll do it. But somebody's getting commissioned, right? And they don't deserve it whatsoever. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good Am point. Crazy? You, you hire a... No, you're right, because you hire a bunch of salespeople, but if your engine's mostly inbound and you're getting people who already know they want the product, then there's going to be some percentage of success for that, that person. And then you're trying to analyze, can that person do the job? Oh, look, 
his first month, he's closed three deals. You're like, this this kid, this, this person is, is going to be excellent. The next month, they close two, and you're like, it's still going. Around. And then all of a sudden, they don't close anything because it's if they if you're getting inbound leads and they already know they want to buy the product, they want to buy outreach, then they're not really selling, are they? They're just completing the order. That's it. And then the question is, are you a self professional? So every organization is musical. They could not avoid it by self professionals. Do you have a sales scorecard? Do you do you every time you're Agent takes a call, inbound or outbound. Are you scoring it? Do you have a different scorecard for an inbound versus an outbound? Oh, the guys that are scoring well, especially the enterprise sales. Here's what I see: company hires enterprise sellers. First five months, they close nothing because nobody would. Month six, they close one deal inbound. They already knew that they wanted it. Their body told them, "Hey, everybody gets excited." By month nine, they, they close nothing else. The BPS sales is not strange. The CEO is, hey, why isn't the seller wrapping a little bit quicker? Yeah. By month 14, they haven't closed anything else. They get lucky. At month 15, they close another deal. They're not wrapping as quick, but what's happening? And then eventually, they're like, oh, you can't doubt for him. He gets fired. If you were to just hire him, people and lure value their initial calls, and you'd see how they're handling those mission conversations. By month four, you know if you made a bad hire. No. So a lot of people are just collecting their base salary for months and months and months. And they suck. Mm. And they should you let go. They're not sales mm. professionals. And they got to get educated. Mm. And there's still courses out there. Of course, like business story course. Freaking awesome. I think he's got it on point. Look at Keenan's book, Gap Selling. Awesome. I haven't taken his course. I assume he's good. But you got to become a sales professional. If you're not a sales professional, you're just like me playing soccer. Fully mediocre. Maybe I can make a career out of it if enough soccer clubs need enough soccer players. I'll volunteer. Pay me enough. I'll just sit there and collect my base salary. <laughs> Probably won't get a bonus. That's right. Ride the bench. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be on the bench. Right. Collect money. He's, a, he's a plug in for FC Miami. Yeah. Tito's coming. Watch out. FC Miami wants to hire David Beckham. Hey, pay attention, bro. Big Real Madrid fan. That's it. Talk about the, the history. Oh, man. Love to. Raul and all sorts. Tito, before we go to Real Madrid, what about early stage founders or people like Sean and I, when you build a reasonably successful business, you get to a stage where you're an infrequent buyer yourself. For example, if you put a fake Louis Vuitton in front of me and a real Louis Vuitton, and I don't buy those things frequently, I probably can't tell the difference. And the same applies for salespeople. They're all amazing men when it comes to the interview process. The amount of times I've gone, this person's going to be a gun. Only to realize two months later, to your point, all they'd done was listen to someone's podcast and knew enough about the terminology come into the business and literally are a fake artist. So how do you identify one from being real and fake? I skipped during the interview skills. So I hire a lot of SDRs and SDR managers. Um, Part of the interview process is I assign the same copy over and over and over again. It's a copy called reputation.com. I should switch it. I've been doing this for six years. I should pick a new one. But I used to work there, so it's really easy. And I tell them, imagine you're joining yeah, another company, you're joining a self-tip. We're going to do is probably going to be put in a very similar situation. Give you a random client, and you need to develop the cold calling script, the email template, the uh, voicemail, whatever. There's a lot of resources online. If you need any extra refresher or help, uh, schedule on the counter. We'll talk for an hour. And I role play. And I pretend that I am Sasha, the video marketing. And they cold call me, and I answer. Yeah. And if they suck, I don't hire them. I put your plans to fire. And I'll do the same with an A. I'd be like, cool, we're going to do a discovery call via outbound to get ready. Bring your tech, whatever product you're selling. You can, for that, I don't want to learn a new product because that takes a long time. But pitch me your product. I'm going to be an inbound lead. I'm going to learn all about their industry. I'm going to pretend mm. like I'm actually interested and do my research online. Then I'm 
drop a call and be like, hey, I'm going to hop on with camera off. And I'm going to give them who I am. So I'm going to be Sasha at related companies, the VP of marketing. And I want to see what they do. Like, when I turn the call camera off, they like, hey, Sasha, how's it going? Can you hear me? And if you do that, the other person usually is, oh, shit, my camera is off. And they turn it on. Or they say, oh, yeah, sorry, I can hear you. My camera's off. Sorry, I'm, I'm breastfeeding my baby. Okay, I don't want to see that. Keep it off. Or I'm eating lunch. Like, whatever. Cool, I'll keep it off. But are they doing the attempt? And then I say, cool, yeah. Thanks. And if they say, why'd you take this call? Be like, my two year old called me and uh, said I should join. So here I am. And they're like, yeah, this deal is disqualified. Bye. Then I know you don't know how to create demand. You're only capturing demand. Explicitly telling you there's no demand created yet. And if they give up and they strongly disqualify some sales advice will say, then you're screwed. That. Bang. I don't want to hire you because you don't know how to run outbound. And if we're in an economic boom, I'd maybe hire you. Because if you're good at negotiation, you have too many leads. I don't know what you else to do with so many leads that I have. I need people that disqualify strongly and just close, close, close. If we're in an economic situation like now where you're going to find your own leads and go hunt, you think I'm going to build an SDR team and start surprising leads and you're going to be like, oh, yeah. oh, my SDR forced you to the meeting? Okay, I want you're worth my time. Bye. Thank you, bro. He's the right person with the right account. It's all you need. If you bring me a VP of sales development at any company in the United States that has more than five SDRs, I'll talk to them. And I think I have a 10 to 15% chance of them eventually becoming a client for the next 12 to 18 months. Not immediately. There's no need. But if they look at sales development and how we operate sales development, they're either by consulting, they're by our software products, they buy outsourcing, they'll buy something because they'll be enamored with the mindset and the process and the strategy, which we believe we have. So I think if you have a differentiated product and you interview your AEs the right way, uh, you're going to win. But it's, it's better to spend five hours during the interview process than to spend four months paying salaries and then realize it's a bad problem. So spend a lot of time hiring. Wish we'd been spoken to you before. Yeah, yeah. should have done, yeah. done this podcast four years ago. Really solid tips. You touched on a couple of really good things there, Tito. One being ICP and the second persona, right? This is where if you're an early stage founder, you're still doing the selling, You've got the mojo. You know how to sell, right? You're now bringing in your first sales team. A lot of them struggle with that because for them, it's embedded. They've come across this problem so many times. They know what to do. They know who to speak to. But most of them struggle to put it on a piece of paper. So how do you actually go capturing that level of information? Like you mentioned, VP of sales development and any American SaaS company, you already created a veg. A lot of people don't have that. How do you structure that and put it on a piece of paper? It's really not that hard. And you don't need to be super concise to your perfect ICP, right? But there's a lot of gray area in between, right? And where you draw the line on what's good and what's bad at the beginning doesn't need to be so perfect. Well, let's talk about this. Imagine you are outreached at a Johnny's Pizza, a seven-person uh, pizza shop that only has one location in Guadalajara, Mexico, comes inbound. Do you take the call or no? No. What do you mean a pizza shop? I'm not taking it. Yeah. What do you mean? That's not our ICP. Would you do outbound to that pizza shop? Even a work pizza shop. How many pizza shops are using our product? Zero. We're, we're as outbound sales development. Right. They have SDRs. Yeah. Aren't they? They actually do. Oh, ooh. How about their sales team? Could they use this? What if we make a little tweak and we adapt their process to ours? Guess what? Uh, T-Mobile, I think, is one of the biggest outreach customers in the world. Uh, I know that for a fact. Incredible. Awesome. But what right. you develop your ICP is, as long as you have five to 10 clients, look at what are the commonalities and what are the use cases? What is it before and after? 
So they say, yeah, we had a sales team that was trying to create uh, more opportunities. And what we ended up doing is buying outreach to do X, Y, and Z and generate more calls and more emails and more structured processes, blah, blah, blah. Who else needs more meetings? Okay. What are the characteristics of my first customer that make him a good customer? Oh, one characteristic is that they sell an enterprise B2B product. Cool. Let me create list hypotheses. Number one, enterprise companies. Number two, the people who bought it, their title is SDR. Let me go look at every company that has SDRs and then create document manager of the VP. Hypothesis number two. Hypothesis number three. Companies that are only in the US because our products in English and then if somebody in Mexico buys it in Spanish, it might not work for every employee. So like, how about we avoid anybody out of the US? Okay, cool. Like, now let's combine strategy one and three to create a strategy number four, right? Like you start building hypotheses and you start seeing what kind of converts rather than grabbing the phone book and calling anybody and everybody, right? And when you do outbound, you can get even more specific in the IC. When it's inbound, sure. if I imagine mm. your outreach on an 11-person company of <laughs> Iowa that says we build technology products and the website is brand new and doesn't have anything on the website. It says we build technology products. Does a demo request. Take the call. If it's an inbound, I'll take right, two sellers. The sellers want outreach and they'll buy two licenses. Cool. But am I going to do outbound to them? No way in the world. No. Because outbound is so much harder and so much more expensive. We'll do outbound to AT&T. Make off T-Mobile. Go get Verizon. Verizon's going to be a $6 million contract. Why are you calling the killer show? So the way you find Verizon, even for how you do your motions, it's a little bit different, right? And again, there's a gradient. So there's the your top right corners, like I think of like parameters, two by two, the top right corners where you want to go. But to ask, to answer this startup, question is look at what clients you have start building hypotheses and talk to them see what sticks keep mm. finding the playbook's never done yeah, it just keeps refining it's a working we, document we, we yeah great tips there tito so from there on then man i think there's a lot of conversation currently happening given the macro trends that are going on is that you the two-step process is dead you should just have full cycle aes what are your thoughts on that it's it's very obvious how to process got it right so the C level executive sit in a room and they say oh, okay it isn't working we're not closing as much as we should to should be closing what, what do we do and they're like read the spreadsheets who's not just pulling their weight and then they look at it and they're like look for every sales we close 100k in sales they earn 50. what are the strs doing you think we don't need them take him out delete let's save money on S. of course then what happens the aes now have less meetings. Now they, six months later, the A's aren't closing as much. A year later, the A's are not closing 400K anymore. They're closing 150K. Now the A's aren't working. So now you can only keep the best A's. What happens? Who are the best A's? The A's have been self-prospecting now for six months or nine months. The best A's aren't necessarily the best closers. It is the A's that know how to go outbound the best because they have the more at-bats. So even if they close at a lower percentage, because they're good at outbound, they stay. So some of your best closers might be gone because kept the guys who are full site. If you would have kept a few SDRs sending the meetings to the best closers, one SDR plus one AE would have been much better than two AEs they currently have. But the spreadsheet didn't show that. And we had to listen to the CFO because he controls the budget. But sometimes CFOs have no freaking idea how to freaking run a business. You just don't know how to look at spreadsheets. So we're making the mistake. And we already jacked that jacked out all the SDR teams. I've seen the number of SDRs in the U.S. plummet. Now we're waiting for those AEs to be fired. And some companies are already getting to the stage three of this process, which is 
okay, now that we have taken out the SDRs and the AEs aren't producing it all, now we're taking out some AEs, but the board is saying that we need more sales. So we need to generate pipeline. So what do we need? Marketing isn't working. SDRs. We need to hunt. We need SDRs. Let's hire SDRs. <laughs> You're fucking kidding. Really? Is that what we're going to do? We're going to take out the SDR, leave the AAs alone, have it fail, and then rehire the SDR. That's a process everybody's going to go through. SDRs are coming back in six to nine months. They're coming back in a different way. They're coming back in a way where we now need a CEO is going to be interesting. It's going to come walk through and it's going to be like, we will create demand. Not capture demand. There's no demand in the market. We will create demand. And then we will ask, who is in charge of creating demand? Is it marketing? Because that ain't working. We're putting so many blog posts and we're doing so many webinars. We have the trade shows. We're not capturing stuff. No, we need to create demand. We need to create urgency. We need to help the prospect understand where the difference, where they are, where they could is ridiculous. And closing that gap is worth 10 times more than our product cost. And that's how we're going to create demand. Okay, and who's in charge of that? Somebody needs to build a presentation. Somebody needs to help us have the prospect click in their head that what they're doing today is not good enough. And the moment that happens, that's when we're creating demand. And I think that has to be the A's. Those are the A's that are worth the money. Those are the A's that should be making three a year. If you're capturing demand, don't work at McDonald's, dude. You should be making minimum wage. Hi, Tito. Sure. Thanks for reaching out to outreach again. Yeah. Let me ask you, if we make the decision, come on, sell me this shit already, right? Why, why are you banting me? Yeah. The man yeah. was created. I, I'm going to buy either way. Have you never bought a product yeah. despite the seller? I yeah. bought products yes. this yeah. seller. Like, I hate this exactly. fucking sales. I'm going to buy it anyway. I'm already in the drive-thru. Correct. I don't care about the seller. I'm going to buy it. I've already decided I'm going to buy it. Have you ever bought a product purely because of the seller? Very yes. few times. But it happened. Very few times. Very few times. Most time you're buying it. To your point, you're already buying it. You already made a decision because someone told you your best mate had it or whatever it may be. You want it. Whoever ends up being on the other end is just collecting commissions for free, to be honest. You want to hear something funny? I think one of the best sales organizations in the world Please. was Gong. Gong. What do they do? Oh, yeah. They, look at how 99% of people use Gong. It's cold recording, dude. It's nothing more than that. Yeah. Cool, cool. The AI insights, training, suggestions with AI, bullshit. Nobody uses any of that. 90 plus percent of the people that I know use Gong, use it to record the call. That should cost five bucks per user. And they sell it for 140 because they do the jujitsu telling you some story about XYZ. And then they sell you this beautiful future state. And they convince you that if you're not listening to recordings, you're an idiot. And then they sell you the technology. And then nobody listens to recordings either way. And they're a multi-billion dollar company <laughs> with a product that anybody can they, replicate. My little they, sister. They, they create demand. They yeah. create demand like crazy. They, they, yeah, they create demand. Like I said, they create they're demand. Really, but hey, this is your current state. But if you do all these things you got, this is your future. They do exactly what you're saying. And, and it's like, shit, I need that. Got to have it. And the best city, though, right? Yeah, the best yes. one was like Chris, right? Yes. Who now writes a lot about how to Yeah, we talked to him the other day. Yeah. yeah. So he, he, was, was, he's he's been on the podcast. We had a good chat to him. Go listen yeah. to that episode. Stop oh. this one. Just pause here. Delete this podcast. Go listen to Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Learn how oh, to that's sell. That's it. Cool. Yeah. That's it. Let's listen to the real man. Tito right here. Tito, you touched on one point that I wanted to come back to. I Dude. partly disagree with that. So I wanted to d dig a bit deeper. You said outbound is more expensive. Yes. Then inbound. Having mm. been in the exec boardrooms for so long and done the, the exercise you were describing where people are redline, it's because of the view exactly what you just said. But marketing is not any cheaper, my friend. The digital uh, adverts, correct. especially in the peak of COVID, 
were expensive and the lead yeah, conversion but rate, but as you know. very well know, especially in the downturn, is not great. So, and the, how do you come to that conclusion that outbound is more expensive than inbound? Linear. It is very logarithmic. It faces up very quickly, right? We can either hire some SDRs, train them, build sequences, do that, or we can do blog posts and see how we get two meetings faster. What do you think is going to work faster? Or cheaper. The blog posts. Cheaper. A lot yeah. cheaper. Yeah. You have ChatGPT, you start putting a blog here, ChatGPT, but here. it takes an hour a day yeah. and you'll get two to three yeah. meetings. Now, what if I say, I don't need to scale yeah. that from two to 20. Yeah. Can you put 10 times more blog posts and get 10 times more deals? Well, How about I say now I 200? Can you do 200 times more podcasts and 200 times more? No. Same with that trade show. One pool gets me 800 leads. And then you're going to put two pools, you're going to get 1,600 leads? No, you're capturing the same demand. It's the same people walking in the room. It's the same number of people searching best sales engagement tool. If all you do is demand capture, you're trapped. You can't double, you can't quadruple, you can't eight tuple if you want to do it. You're limited to the active market. So the marginal lead at the beginning, it's very cheap in marketing. As you try to double, triple, quadruple, it gets very expensive. While sales development, if you're doing it right, a lot of people are doing sales development in the worst way possible. Oh, we're going to use AI. We're going to send 50,000 emails every day because we have 50,000 domain names uh, spread across, blah, blah, blah. And if you're selling SMB, short or whatever the hell you want. But if you're selling Enterprise, and you're telling me, Tito, I just sold a $17 million deal to AT&T. I need you to get me to Verizon. How difficult would it be for you write blog posts or go to trade shows to get Verizon to close? So hard. Because you're not hunting, you're just waiting for them to eventually come to you. You're going to go close Verizon, you're going to go hunt Verizon. And for that, you need outbound. Mm -hmm. So it's a completely different motion. And yes, I agree. At at very small numbers, inbound is a lot cheaper. Once you need big numbers, outbound is a lot cheaper. So what should you do? I think you should learn Mm -hmm. how to sell outbound. And if you know how to sell outbound, selling inbound is a piece of cake. But if you only know how to sell inbound, outbound is the hardest thing in the world and it will destroy your company. Outbound is a way could it? I, we've yes. been there, right? Like, it's, yes. Uh, I, yeah. If inbound, and that's probably what happens, right? If you're a small startup, inbound is cheaper, easier, quicker, faster, right? But if that's all you ever do, like I said, you, you're going to hit a ceiling and that's it. You can only fish in the small pond of people looking for your product. If you can build an outbound team or a, a team of hunters, then your pond is as big as the TAM available for you to go after. And that's really good advice. And getting the meeting isn't the hardest part. In the meeting isn't easy, but it's not no. the hardest part. The hardest part is what? The hardest part is having the prospect flip the switch and say, oh, yeah. I'm doing this thing in my life or in my company suboptimally. I got to change because I can multiply my output and improve my outcome so much if I just do this other thing. And then they say, what do I need to do this other thing? And then they realize that they need a product to do that other thing. Imagine like before outreach and after outreach. Before you were like calling people that with your cell phone or with a dial, right? And then you were like emailing one by one. And then you, you lose track of leads mm-hmm. and like some people would slip through the cracks and it was a mess. Now, like all the leads are organized. Everybody receives the same sequence of emails and you were optimizing your sequences here and there. It's a lot mm-hmm. better. So you had to convince people that they needed a process. And then you sell them the tool that gives them a process. They bought outreach, a hundred and such per user, a hundred and ten or twenty-two, whatever you are paying today. That's oh. it. Again, solid tip. Tito, last one. 
something that I think you even touched on, and it's everywhere, no matter which platform you go on. Everyone's out there, all the execs, every boardroom, everyone's screaming out saying AI is going to spell death of SDRs, BDRs. So go, go back to your spreadsheet example. Those lines may still be read. I disagree. I think that this is AI is going to rebirth SDRs and BDRs because now they've got better knowledge and information coming back to the ICPs and everything else. What's your view on that? Is it time for SDRs to bounce? Are they dead? What's the future look like? Look, it's pretty simple. AI is just another technology. I put it in the same pocket as every, everything else, right? When agriculture went to the agriculture revolution, they said, oh, farmers are dead. There's no going to be any more farmers. The machines are going to take over. There's less farmers today, but they're getting great outputs, right? And it just works. Look at the technology too. Do you remember when we got emails back in the day that said, dear subscriber, and everything was beautifully designed. And then somebody was like, huh, I have an idea. What if we start collecting people's names? And then you get an email that said, hi, Tito. This isn't a newsletter. They're emailing me. And then all of a sudden, if you could say, hi, Ricky, you would open the email. And you would read it carefully. Hi, Ricky, blah, 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 blah. You're like, wow. And you're like, this is generic. But I guess they're emailing me. It's in my name. And then you respond until a year later, you're getting 82 high Ricky. Yeah. And then you don't pay attention. And that's the same thing. Now it's yeah, like, oh, yeah, really, hi, hi, Ricky, want to take a meeting with me? Oh, yeah. In, in 2002, I would have taken the meeting. Yeah, sure. You, you got my email address. We must be friends. We were so ignorant. But, but that was the state of the, of the moment. And now it's the same. If you call me and I say hello, I didn't say, hey, Tito, within half a millisecond or half a second. You're dead. I'm, I'm hanging up on you for calling me with an auto dialer. Mm. Like, stop fucking calling me with an auto dialer. Mm. Fuck you. Bye. Until the auto dialers get great. And I used to pick up the phone being like, hello, this is Tito. I don't do that anymore. I say, hello. I mean, I say, hey, Tito, how's it going? Fine. Yeah. I, I hang up because you're a bot. And I don't want to mm. talk to bots as a consumer. I want to talk to humans. And if you're a human and you say the same yeah. thing that the bot says, you're fucked. You're dead. But the moment that I as a consumer yeah. know that you can, you are doing something with a bot, I already don't care because I am not a one-to-one communication. I am a bot. It's like you invite me to the podcast and I come here. And then instead of you guys being here speaking with me, there would be a prompt with the questions. Do you think I'm complete the podcast? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're just avatars, man. I would complete the podcast. I'd be like, screw Sean and Ricky. They think yeah, yeah. I'm going to be here spending an hour of my time. They don't need to spend their time too. We're doing this together, guys, right? Yeah. Like, it feels community. We're friends now. If you come to Guadalajara, I'll buy you a drink, dude. What does that AI, what, whatever AI can do, I no longer care as a consumer. Therefore, SDRs will always exist. And the role of the SDR is to differentiate themselves from a bot and to provide value. As long as you can do that, you'll win. And the day that you have to provide mm-hmm. an SDR from a bot, we're all in trouble. Yeah. Information. Yeah. Look, the thing you, you mentioned, like, the, I think the point you made a lot today, that creating demand, right? That's a big step for AI to get to the point where they can actually talk to you and make you realize, hey, I actually do need this. That's a big step, right? I think they got to actually create demand in your head and then lead you to the water, which is the product that you're actually trying to sell. Like, that's not going to be easy for AI to do. Whereas I, I tend to agree with you, Ricky. Like, what AI can do is give you a lot of information. So before I call Tito, I'll know that what I really might say, hey, Tito. And I know your name and I know where you went to school and I know that you used to be a tour guide and be like, hey, mate, I know you were a tour guide at one point and told me your life. I just like to make this. Like, it can give you information that can make you a more powerful, give you a more powerful ability to connect on that human level. 
And you can use that connection to create your demand and that demand to sell your product. I think that's where I'm excited AI could take that. You know where this is very apparent and very obvious? Look at your LinkedIn incoming connect requests. I have some that are like, Tito, yeah. I found you on Ricky's podcast. We'd love to connect. I accept 100% of those. If you tell me, yeah, hi, Tito, I'm expanding my network and I want to see <laughs> if there's any synergies. Oh, fuck off. You're sending yeah. that to everybody, dude. Yeah, you yeah. to sell some shit. Get out of here. Like I can oh, smell man. it from a that's mile away. That's why you keep Yeah, I, 100%. Yeah, I think that's a very good example of yeah. what we're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is a very interesting um, way to see the world. Selling really? is not an action. Buying is an action. If I say jump, can you jump? Yes. If I say run, can you run? You can run. If I say go lose five pounds, is that 100% of your control? If I lose five pounds, take some time, but yeah, yeah. do it. But if I say go sell, can you sell? Can you sell? Sell that lead. Selling is nothing. They have to buy. So selling isn't an action. Mm. So how you think about selling is just designing the buyer's pathway to them completing their transaction. How do you design that pathway is how you sell. And it is more than objection handling or this or that. It is designing the whole experience of the buyer. When you put everything in sales from the perspective of the buyer, you'll become a lot better seller because you'll be able to design that experience in a much better way. Love that. That's a beautiful definition, man. I love that one. Tito, tell us a little bit about your business, Alti Sales. What is it all about? Tell the audience, what are you doing nowadays? What's the vision? Where are you going with the thing? Yeah, as you can see, I'm obsessed with uh, sales development, with outbound sales, with the buyer's journey, and actually with scaling startups uh, all the way to big companies and to help big publicly traded companies build outbound better. My business, we're obsessed with sales development. We do all sorts of things. Outsourcing program, five months, we build things for you and then we hand them over. We have consulting services, advisory services. If you have something very specific, we have some software products that help you understand the efficiency of your SDR team on cold calls and on emails. We have enterprise caller ID technology that allows us to display the name of your SDR when they call somebody. It's all about differentiating ourselves from the AI. And we're going to teach you that and then have you bring it in-house. If you're an early stage startup, we, have, we haven't raised a Series A yet. We just have an investment arm. So we invest somewhere between 100K and 300K in companies. And we design their whole growth market motion for outbound to make it scalable. We're trying to get companies from seed to Series D, IPO, whatever, as big as you can, as you can go. We'll, we'll help you along the journey at the beginning. We'll do a lot of work for you and then hand it off. That's our company. It's a lot of fun. We know everything from account scoring selection and ICP through SDRs, called outbound, email, phone, LinkedIn, this, that, to first meeting presentations, how to create the aha moment, how the five slides get I use, AE scorecards, handoff processes to negotiation and closing and all that. And we help companies build that uh, predictable revenue. So a lot of our clients do our full package, but in the past six months, we've split those into smaller offerings. Uh, anybody that needs just a piece here or there, we're, we're happy to talk to them as well. Very cool, man. We'd love to uh, find out a bit more. But for now, we'll move into quick buyer Tito. These are easy ones, and I think you already answered some of them. But favorite sports team? Real Madrid, by far. Best player ever? Best player ever for Real Madrid. I'm, I'm a sucker for Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, for uh, Real Madrid. Really? Oh, man. I, I, I love more than just Ricky. the game. Yeah. I, I love the attitude and how he went about it. He's such a warrior. There's incredible players. I'm a goalkeeper, so I love Iker Casillas. I've always been a fan of mm. Raul. 
he always happened to be at the right yeah. place at the right time. I don't know, man. He just had the magic touch. Yeah. He, he yeah. was insane. I thought Guti had such elegance in his play. Yero, like incredible contender. I love Ramos. There's so many mm. good ones, right? Again, we're talking about mm. probably the best team mm. in the history of soccer, 14 yeah. Champions League. Zidane, like his yeah, match, the roulette, mm. and all the moves, and how he played the Bishop. I mean, game. you had the original Ronaldo, you had Beckham, you had everybody at one point. It was insane. But, uh, but what's that? One, mm. I, think, I think Ronaldo, because he was the most self made, he, I, I think he got cool. all his success through hard work. So I think everything mm. he did is 100% replicable. Mm. Nothing is stopping him, right? Like when I was a kid, my dad, I used to play tennis and soccer. My dad told me, what does Pete Sampras have that you don't? What do you need? You want to be like Pete Sampras? What does he have that you don't? I'll give you everything that you need. Anything that you think he has that you don't, I'll give it to you. Go become Pete Sampras. And I potentially thought that I could do it. And it was cool, right? And I think Cristiano is like that. What does mm. Cristiano Ronaldo have that, that you don't? It's just freaking discipline. Right. Raul, I, I don't think I can ever be like Raul. He was at the right place at the right time. I think he was, was 80% locker. What, what the hell was this guy? Nobody understands. Like, totally knew, and, and it's not easy to decipher. It's just like the balls would always end up in his feet. I can't replicate it. But, uh, but Ronaldo mm-hmm. is just a power of will and just <clears throat> hard work. He jumped higher than everybody. And anybody can jump that high. Yeah. If you train hard enough, he just trained harder than anybody else. That's what I admire the most. I think mm-hmm. it's the effort that I admire more than the results. Yeah. You got to respect that. Favorite music genre? I'd say Tropical House is what I listen to. It's chill, but good oh, energy. Maybe, man. I can, I can understand it. Favorite movie of all time? Do you have one? I think the one I've watched the most is The Social Network. I just love the story of entrepreneurship and whatever. Mark Zuckerberg, the whole story. Yeah. Funny. Obviously, it's dramatized. It's not exactly how it went, but that was cool. I like movies that are realistic. And I like movies about business. It's funny. I'm a little obsessed about this world. And I, for me, it's a hobby. As much as it's a job, it's also a hobby. Yeah. That I enjoy it. The founder is another really good one, but McDonald's, Ray Kroc, all that stuff. But mm. the cool thing they do is I like yeah. those types of movies. All good ones. Yeah. Uh, I know you love to visit. You mentioned early on too. So favorite place to visit or favorite place that you haven't been to? Favorite place to visit. I don't have to be a sucker for a place that I guess nobody else in your podcast would have mentioned. My thing is the most beautiful place in the world. And you have to Google it. It's called Uyuni. It's U-Y-U-N-I. It is in Bolivia. Where is it? What continent? And it is South America, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Go on Google, look for pictures. It looks like there's a mirror on the ground that you are in heaven. And if you want to go there, and I'll I'll help you to get there. Yeah. We'll just make that. Have a couple of these. Sounds good. Let's do it. Tito loves his uh, shots, mate. He's into tequila shots. Doesn't at a time. I'm not a big tequila <laughs> fan, but I can be there and do that. It's needed. It's fine. That's it. Make it uh, happen. Why not? Tito, this is the make or break, mate. This is yeah. the final one. Yeah. This is the big one, dude. Peanut butter. How do you like it? I don't like peanut butter. Punch your smooth. Bye. Oh, I don't like peanut butter. That's the, I don't That's the first. That is the first. I don't like peanut butter. I expected that to happen earlier, but this is the first one. Yeah. But if you had to. So you, there are two things there. One has bits of nuts in it. One is process to the degree it has no nuts in it which one do you have to pick? i think i would enjoy crunchy less actually so i i think i'd have to decline i'd rather have it's, a it's more smooth he's a miami dude man. yeah yeah true he's smooth i get it but so again we had to force you to eat if you had to get forced it'd be smooth well, i appreciate right. it tito i appreciate all your insight thanks for thanks for sharing with the audience and yeah. us man thanks right. for the time awesome. uh, this is awesome